Ethan and Shannon have had a, a is it two years? A two-year battle um, over custody with their children. And uh, there was some injustice involved in that. I think it's the easiest way for me to say it. And they won. So, <laughs> so praise God. God is so good and faithful. So I, I asked him if he felt like a weight had been lifted off. He says, oh, yes. It's just, and I just said, let's shake the dust off and, and I, let's live and forget about it. Amen. Oh, you guys are awesome. This is fun. It is fun. All right. I want to, I have two, I want, I want to make a couple of announcements just because I want to. I want to. If you're a young adult, you are welcome to come to my house, and it's not my house, it is my house. I am the king of my castle. <laughs> now there's a certain seat, no I'm kidding, that you can't sit in when you come to, you're welcome to come to our house tonight at 6 o'clock, if you're interested, see me, see Mandy, Vanessa, we'll give you directions, we're doing a cookout, we've already bought all the food, we just want you guys to come hang with us, there's free food, I figured we could get people there with free food, if you have friends, you're welcome to invite your friends. So tonight at 6 o'clock, anyone who's a young adult. There's no age to young adult. So if you're a young adult, you're welcome. <laughs> young at heart. <laughs> young at heart. Like the old Frank Sinatra song. Uh, next, y'all saw the announcement about Teresa Dedman. We, I know they talked about it here. But I, I just wanted to tell you how awesome this is. Teresa is a creative lady. Right? She's a prophetic lady. She is an evangelistic lady. And we want what she has. I mean, you believe in impartation. We need to talk about it a little bit more often than we do. But in the Bible days, in the New Testament, the apostles would lay hands on people and impart gifts into them. They may not have even had the skill set for that, but after the apostles laid hands on them, they were gifted in whatever they gave them. Paul even told Timothy, he said, fan into, the, into flame. In other words, steward the gift that was imparted into you when I laid hands on you. He's like, I did my part and I imparted the gift into you. Now you need to steward it and make it into a flame. And so that's what we're wanting from Teresa. We want her to come here. We want her to impart creativity, the prophetic, the spirit of evangelism in the house where we just begin to minister as his people in the community. So if you say, I'm not a creative person, then this is mostly for you. Right. You're not creative. Like, I'm not, I'm not creative. I'm not an artist. That's fine. There have been people that have had hands laid on them and they turn into amazing artists. They turn into musicians, songwriters, whatever. Simply by taking a gift that someone imparted into them. You guys believe that? And so that's, and if you are creative, you just want a double dose, you know? And so we just want more of it. Um, So that's July 28th on a Sunday night. And we are, we're making preparations to uh, host people that don't go to church here. Um, Don't look too closely at the wall behind us. We're not finished. We just ran out of time. So I know it looks bad and it looks like we need adults to paint it instead of children. (laughs) But we're not finished yet. I was thinking all week, like, oh, I'm going to be so embarrassed until it looks great. But we worked really hard, so don't make fun of our hard work. Kyle, thank you. Me and Kyle and Mark helped out as well. But we'll, next week we'll have a surprise for you, and it'll be beautiful So when we're done. So. It is. I have one more announcement, and we don't have a specific date yet. I... I we have a tentative date, September 29th. Is that right? I believe so. How many have ever heard of Bill Johnson? Yeah, we love, we just love him. He's, he's like the best ever, right? Well, he has a brother who's unbelievable too named Bob. This is, this is what we're working on now. We have a tentative date for Bob and Kimberly to come here. Kenda knows Kimberly. And she said, hey, would y'all be interested in coming to our church? And they're like, hey, we'll already be there for a, uh, a wedding anyway. Yeah, we'd love to. So just September 29th, I think it's going to be a Sunday morning, Sunday night. We're working all the details out. Bob and Kimberly Johnson will be here. Evangelist extraordinaire, uh, wild man. He's just wild, and she is too. And so we have some really cool things happening. And I just want to take a minute and tell you how good God is. 
Because if we tried to pursue Teresa Dedman, we, we may not have had the means to pull a Teresa Dedman off to come here. If we tried to pursue a Bob Johnson or any, anyone else, where we're at at this moment in our infancy as a church, we may not have been able to pull that off. So what does God do? He drops it in our lap for us. Amen. He just does. It's just because He wants to. And we didn't even ask God, send Teresa, send Bob. He just did it. He set it all up. And they, it's just so good. So just, just thank God. Thank God for what you're doing. Thank you because we're pursuing divine connections. And we're beginning to see breakthrough and fruit from those connections, God. And we, we do appreciate it. We know that it's not by might, by power. It's completely by your spirit. And so we just say, keep doing what you're doing. We love it. You're good at what you do, God. <laughs> so we want more. Amen? So let's, let's move on to preaching real quick. Yep, we good? Is that everything? All right. Lord, we thank you for what you've done today, what you're doing. We ask that you continue to speak to our hearts. <laughs> Would you guys say this prayer with me? Father God, I ask you to give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better. Amen. One more quick thing. I was I just, Mike and Kathy hot are here today mr and mrs mike and kathy (laughs) yep mike closed the deal friday night he's been working on it for a while and he closed the deal (laughs) so good on you mike kathy good on you too you got an amazing sweet gentle husband and we all see that and you got an amazing sweet gentle wife so y'all are a perfect couple so we're very happy all right, if you want to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4, and if you want to put a finger there, and then in John 15, we'll read some John 15 as well. Amen. Y'all are good. Proverbs chapter 4, and then John 15. And today, you know, when we first, when Mandy and I first came here to the church, it was almost, it was four and a half years ago, and, uh, Almost everything that we could teach on was about managing our hearts and stewarding our heart over and over again. That's all I could think about. And the Lord's brought some of these thoughts back to mind as it's appropriate for this season that we're in as a church. And so I want to go into about the heart today a little bit more. So Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says, above all else, everyone say above all else, guard your heart, for from it. Springs all of the issues of life. Above all else, guard your heart. Above everything. Above your feelings. Above your comfort zone. Above your habits. Above everything else in life, guard your heart. Protect it. Steward it. Condition it. I want to kind of say it like this. The the present condition of our heart will dictate our response to everything that happens in our life. It's just true. I'm going to say it again because this is the foundation of everything I'm saying today. The present condition of my heart will dictate my, my response in everything that happens in my life. It's just true. Amen? If there's rebellion in my heart, then anything in life can cause me to be rebellious, even good things. How can you take a good thing and turn it into rebellion? If I have rebellion already in my heart, I will take the blessing and good things from God and I will make it form to what's in my heart. If submission is in my heart, even when people persecute me, my heart will be in a state of submission. And... I have no fear of what man can do to me. Do not fear someone who can just kill your body, but only fear one who can kill both your body and your soul. So there's this thing about managing the condition of my heart and being in control of how I respond to anything that happens into my life. If there's doubt in my heart, even when someone encourages me, I will respond with doubt. 
I've done this so many times, it's almost funny, and I feel sorry for the people that were trying to encourage me. Hey, it's going to, yeah, I know, but then here's this obstacle. Yeah, but you know what? God did this for you. I know, but then there's this obstacle. Because there was doubt in my heart. It did not matter what they, they could have said anything to me, but the condition of my heart was doubt, and all all I heard was doubt. But I can have a heart of faith, and then someone can bring a problem to me, and I can respond with, but that's okay. God's delivered me from worse. It's just a condition of the heart. It's not the outside thing that causes me to act or respond or behave a certain way. It's the condition of my heart. Circumstances are not creating feelings inside of us. Bad news is not creating emotions inside of me or feelings. They are only revealing what was already in my heart. Amen? I love this and I've read this a few times, but I I don't apologize. C.S. Lewis wrote this um, a long time ago. but This is beautiful. He says, Surely what a man does when he is taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. Surely what pops out before the man has time to put on a disguise is the truth. Listen to this. If there are rats in the cellar, you are, not, you are most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. In the same way, the suddenness of provocation does not make me an ill-tempered man. It only reveals to me what an ill-tempered man I am. Hmm. No one can make you angry. No one can make you happy. No one can steal your joy. If you steward the garden of your heart, nothing out here matters. Only what matters is my heart and my position in my heart, the condition of my heart. When I protect that, when I guard that, anything can happen out here and I have an anchor. We sing the anchor. I'm anchored in what I, the managing of myself. See, I grew up in a culture where it was very easy to feel like everyone else controlled my attitude. Because I grew up in a place where I I was very aware of when I annoyed other people. And it was my job to act in a way as not to annoy other people. So I became very heightened of when I was doing something that could bother somebody else. I don't want to do that because it could bother them. I don't don't want to sing too loud. I don't want to smack when I chew. I don't want to do this or that because it bothers them. And I was so busy always worrying about everyone else out here that I never took time to manage what happened inside of me. So you're like, well, that, that sounds really sad and pitiful. Here's the problem with that. Then I begin to feel like everyone else needs to act in ways as not to offend me. It's a flip side. So when people would do something that would bother me that I wouldn't ever do to them, I would get offended. I would never do that to you. And I would be like, I w- I've never treated, I would never speak to you that way. And I would begin to hold people to a standard that I wouldn't do to them, And it was all based in, I didn't manage my own heart. I was always trying to, I was under the the lie, the influence of a lie, that I could control other people, but I couldn't control myself. The truth is, I can, on a good day, like Danny Silk says, on a good day I can tell me what to do and I do it. On a good day I can control me. You guys still with me? I know it's heavy, but this is good. We'll, We'll keep going. When God sends His Word to us, the current condition of our heart will determine our response to His Word. (laughs) When God sends His Word to us, the current condition of our heart determines our response to the Word He sends to us. There's a lot of examples. I'll give you three quick ones. Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I hate their Babylonian names, so I, always, I try to do them justice and remember who they were. Yeah, and Daniel was, you know, anyway. So those, those, those guys were stripped of everything that they knew. Their families were killed. They were turned into eunuchs where they had no 
possibility of, of, of continuing their family name, family lineage. They were put in the school of the occult. They were trained. <laughs> they really were. They were put in the school of the occult on how to you know, cast spells and do all kinds of magic tricks that were evil, right? All this stuff happened to them, but if you'll read in Daniel chapter 3, there's a really unique thing that they, they, they determined before they ever reacted to anything. The Bible says that they purposed in their heart that they would not be defiled. When they were ripped out of everything that they knew and brought into this strange, idolatrous culture, they purposed in their heart. They set up a boundary around their heart of the things that they knew were right and the things that they knew were good. And they said, I'm not going to bend on these issues in my heart. I'm going to guard my heart. No matter what's going on in Babylon, no matter what Nebuchadnezzar, no matter what anyone else tells us to do, if it goes against the conditions in my heart that God has set up for me, I'm not going to do it. And they purposed in their heart. It didn't say they made up their minds that they weren't going to bow when the music played. Or they, they managed their appetites. You know, they would, they would only do it to an extent, but they wouldn't go too far. It was everything in moderation in this culture. They said, no, I'm not eating the king's food. I'm not drinking from his table. So much so, they're like, kill us if you want to, but just test us. Give us ten days, and if we're not more handsome and more wise and better looking and more alert than anyone else, then we'll, we'll do what you tell us to do. But just see what happens. And they stuck to their rigid diet, their, their Jewish diet. And after ten days, you know what? They were still smarter than everyone else. They were more handsome than everyone else. And he says, you can keep doing whatever you're doing. Because they purposed in their heart. An angel appears to Mary. She's a virgin. And it says, you're going to have a child. And it's going to be from the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the story that she's hearing? That's not even possible. That can't happen. All the thoughts that we would have, that's, that's never happened before. Everyone's going to think that I'm crazy. No one's going to believe me. Joseph's going to divorce me. All the things that she could have thought, she didn't say. Because the condition of her heart was turned toward the Lord. She was different than everyone else. So what did she say? Hey, be it to me as you just said it. In other words, whatever you just said to me, I accept it. Whatever you want to do. The, she had conditioned her heart to where it didn't matter what was said. It didn't matter what, what the, the Lord told her. She was already purposed in her heart to do what he said to do. Amen? In, in Genesis 6, and I think it's repeated in Acts 17, it says that, that, that God is not always going to strive with man, but that he commands us all to a place of repentance. And repentance doesn't just mean saying we're sorry. You know, like when our boys are fighting. I don't want them to just say I'm sorry when they hit each other or do something they shouldn't do. I want their behavior to shift. I want them to protect their connection. So when God says, I'm, I'm asking you to come to a place of repentance, he's not saying, I want you to say, I'm sorry, and I feel shameful for all that I did. Although the Bible does say godly sorrow produces repentance. He doesn't want us to live in that place of, I'm so sorry, poor me. He wants us to, to shake off the dust, and he wants us to turn and do the good we know to do. Repentance is not, <laughs> let me say it like this. this. Repentance is not an act. It's a way of life. Repentance is a lifestyle. He says it in John like this. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, the fruit of your life, the way that you live, will produce fruit that shows the repentance that's in your heart. You guys still with me? We're going somewhere, right? We think in terms of behavior and actions, but God thinks in terms of systems and methods. All right? We think of the way we act, the way we behave, our actions, but God thinks of what causes us to act a certain way. He goes deeper within us, right? And he sees the things that, that cause us to react certain ways. And he's wanting us to, to be like in Romans 12. He says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Don't act and react the way the rest of the world does. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? See, David said in Psalm 119.11, Your word, O Lord, I've hidden in my heart that I won't sin against you. 
In other words, I'm, mani- I'm maintaining, I'm managing my heart to the point where I'm hiding your word there so that I won't sin. David knew that behavior wasn't just the issue. It was the heart. Amen? As we guard our heart and the condition of our heart, we're making room for God. We're making room for Him. Say, I'm making room for Him. When we take a promise that He gives us and we hold it in our heart and we remember it, 30 years after He gives us the dream, Joseph, 30 years after his dream, he kept it in his heart, what God said. Not only that, his father remembered the dream in his heart. And he put it there. And that thing continued to create space inside of Joseph. It created character. It spread out the walls. It, made it, it enlarged him from the inside out. So that when he stepped into the fullness of his dream, he would be the man he saw in the dream. <laughs> and so when you and I take the things that God tells us and we hide it in our heart, whether we see immediate fruit or not, what, what that thing is doing is it's, it's creating interest inside of us. It's building up a, a capacity for us to hold what He wants us to have in our life. Are you guys still okay? So when we manage our heart, we're making room for it. You guys, you know that this is probably something I quote almost every sermon. But when Jesus came and the people that knew the law inside and out, they could quote every bit of it. He was the Messiah that they had prayed for and dreamed of. He was standing right in front of them, and they didn't know who he was. And the reason was because his word didn't create room inside of them. It didn't make space. It didn't enlarge them. So the words on the paper had no value to them. It had to be an encounter with the word made flesh. There has to be this thing where when he speaks to us, it creates room. It enlarges us. You know, it's like Isaiah 54 is like, enlarge the place of your territory. Spread out your tent pegs. You have had no children. Build nurseries. Make space for the Lord. Give room for him. Amen? A couple more things and we'll close it up with with, uh, some thoughts, all right? We were created to be wholehearted. Everyone say that. I was created to be wholehearted. Huh. Being half-hearted is only half-life. You can say it. That's good. It makes me feel better. It's a half-life. When we do anything half-heartedly, it's half-life. Has anyone ever heard that in science, the term half-life? Anyone scientists in here? Yes, we've got a couple of people. You're like, oh, I've heard it vaguely. I kind of remember it. When scientists talk about half-life, what they are referring to is how long it takes for half of a, a, of a sample to decay. In, in case of nuclear waste, when they're trying to measure how long it takes for the land to not be radioactive, they measure it in half-life. And they want to know how long it takes the radioactive material to turn into lead. How long does it take for the radioactive material to, to die? <laughs> so when we do something half-heartedly, we have half-life. Yeah. And we're dying. We're decaying. And we don't even know it. We stink. It's just true. I don't want to have half-life. When Jesus came in John 10, it says he came to give abundant life. He came to give exponential growth, not decay. And what was the prophecies about Jesus? The, the Holy One will not see decay. Because he was doing everything wholeheartedly. He had whole life, full life, that was exponential. It was abundant life that continued to get better. The increase of his government and of his peace, there was no end to it. And we were made to be in the image of Christ. We were made to partake of the divine nature of God. And for us to, 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 to allow a decay into our life just simply because we don't wholeheartedly do something is, is foolish. It's foolish. There are times when Josiah is talking to me, and I'm asking him something, and he tells me from his head voice. Anyone ever notice that? Like, like Josiah, I, I, I did. And you hear it from a different place than when he says it from his heart, and I know he's not telling the truth. 
because his heart's not in it. It's like when someone tells you, hey, you know, do better. I'll try. You hear it. When someone really believes it, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'll try. You hear it from a different place. God wants us to guard our heart to where it's not half heart, where it's not half life, but to where it's a full yes. It's a full yes to everything that we do, where we throw ourselves into pursuing Christ, where we throw ourselves into love the things that God loves. Not halfway. Not half-hearted. The heart's the key. If my heart is sick, then my life is going to produce symptoms of a sick person. I have to manage my heart. Amen? You guys still okay? So there's three things that we can do to condition our heart. I always feel strange doing this. You know, here's step one, two, three. There's no formula to this. There's just three things that jumped out to me when I started thinking about heart conditioning. And the first one is the washing of the word. Say washing of the word. Doesn't that just sound, that makes, I saw people smile when I said that. Matt, the washing of the word. And he, his, his face lit up. The thought of the word of God washing me. John 15, 3 says, you are already clean because of the word I spoke into you. This was about 10 years ago, and the Lord highlighted that verse to me, and I wrote it down. And for days, weeks, months, and now for years, I was thinking of that word, that there's something to it that I couldn't fully understand yet. Yeah, it's a good word. It's a good word. Yeah, I'm already clean because of the word you spoke into me. And maybe a couple years ago, he hit on this managing my heart, conditioning my heart, and it hit me. When I manage my heart, when I manage the words that he's already spoken into me, it, it purifies me. It makes us righteous. It makes us clean. Even though our behavior sometimes doesn't appear the way it should, we are acting outside of our divine nature. If we'll allow the washing of the word to come, he'll purify us again. It's that pouring of his word over our heart, over our motives. Amen? You guys still good? So we got the washing of the word. The second one is the discipline of the word. If you think of spanking when I say discipline, change your thinking. Shake the etch-a-sketch. Get rid of it. Discipline is not punishment. Punishment is I'm making you hurt for what you did. Discipline is I'm equipping you with tools so that you don't do what you just did. Oh, man, we could go into that for a long time. So we need the washing of the word, we need the discipline of the word. In Hebrews 4, it says, The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and, it, and it's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions or the attitudes of the heart. His word is confrontational. We need the washing of the word, and it's, oh, it's so sweet, make me clean, wash me and it's like a, you know, a bubble bath with God kind of thing. And it's just sweet. You're laughing at me. <laughs> what do you know about bubble baths? <laughs> More than you would know. <laughs> His word is confrontational. We need the confrontation of the word. It doesn't just confront our actions or our behavior. It confronts the methods. Amen? If God didn't discipline us, He, did, he wouldn't love us. If God just says, I'm just going to let them stay the way they are. I'm not going to help them learn from their mistakes. I'm not going to equip them to empower them to do better in the future. It would be because he didn't love us. But because he absolutely loves us and his banner over us, over us is love, then he has to discipline us. Because it's his love that, that, that propels him, that compels him into disciplining us. Amen? Amen. Uh, David said, well, I love your discipline, Lord. There's something I heard recently, and and I'd probably heard it when I was a kid and forgot about the power of of what it was. But in Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God, right? Helm of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, and all these things. And then it says, and then the sword of the Spirit, where you can quench the fiery darts. You can just go for this thing, right? And, And so in Roman times, 
there were some strange things that I, I'd forgotten. But they actually had spikes on their shoes so that when they were in battle, they would plant themselves in the ground. And so it's like when you, when you prepare your feet with the gospel of, of, of peace, of the truth, then you're planting your feet into the ground so you won't, right? And then it says the sword. So there was a sword that you used to fight against the enemy. And then they had a smaller dagger. I don't remember the name. Of it. I wish I would have looked it up. This is true in Roman times. And the dagger was for all of those arrows that got past the shield of faith, that got past the breastplate of righteousness, that just got us in our exposed places. And they would take that dagger, and it was used to dig out those arrows. So, the word of God, the discipline of God, is where we take his word and we say, God, search me. See if there's any wickedness inside of me. Take your dagger. It may hurt. It's going to cut going in, it's going to cut going out. It's the sword. But this is how we keep our heart from being offended. This is what happens in, in Christian's life. Anyone that's been a Christian for a long period of time, unless we pursue kingdom relationship, unless we pursue covenant with God, and we stay as children, we become very susceptible to being offended. And the reason is because we begin to seek comfort. The older we get, I, I, I'm 37 years old, I'll be 38 this year, so I'm not very old. But I do know the older I get, the less I like drama. And I didn't like it a whole lot to begin with. And I've, I've, I've heard my dad say this, that you know, if there was bickering in the family, I'm too old, I, I don't need any of the drama. I just want to come and have fun together and enjoy our time together. I don't need, I just want comfort with our family, you know, that kind of thing. And it's in the nature, for if we don't stay as children, we get to where, as Christians, we seek comfort. We, we seek the path of least resistance. If conflict is involved, we go the opposite direction. If the word is coming to confront us, we try to go to the things that we're doing really good at and stay over there. So what happens is we become one-dimensional believers. We don't ever grow or expand beyond what we're really good at because we won't take the dagger, the sword, and let him dig out those little arrows and places that need fixed. And then what happens is because we seek comfort, when things come in that, that offend us, and we don't pull them out because it means it's going to be painful to take, take the arrow out. I mean, digging it out with a dagger sounds very painful. And so what happens is those little swords, those little words stick in our heart, stick in our shoulder, wherever it is, and it stays there and it gets infected. And because of the thought of pain, we don't deal with it. And as it stays there, we become offended. And it's all because we're avoiding pain. I love what Chris Valentin says. Pain gives vision a purpose. Vision gives pain a purpose. Say it the right way. Vision gives pain a purpose. If I know what this is for, it's a whole lot easier to let him dig and take those things out and take the arrows out. It's a lot better because I know it's for my benefit. If it's just pain for pain, I don't need it. Amen? So we need the washing of the word. That's the sweet, the, the spa day with God. The hot tubs, the mineral waters, the hot... Oh, that just sounds good today, right? <laughs> then you... <laughs> I don't even know why. Most of us have bathtubs we can barely even fit in. It's like fat guy in a little tub. <laughs> That's how I feel anyway. So, <laughs> you've got the washing of the Word, but then you've got the discipline of the Word. <laughs> it's going to hurt. Confrontation is going to hurt, whether it's between me and God or between me and someone else. I have to manage my heart in both cases. I can't just say, well, I'm just going to manage my relationship with God and forget everybody else. I'm just going to put big boundaries out here and not let anyone in, but oh, me and Jesus are going to be so close. It's not possible. He said, how can you say you love me that you haven't even seen, yet you hate the person that you deal with every day? How, how can that happen? And it's, it's all because we're seeking comfort. We're seeking the path of least resistance. 
And we have to guard against offense because we don't always block everything that comes. How many, of, how many of you have ever had an attack of the enemy that you didn't know was an attack until later? That happens all the time. Like you didn't even know it. Like you were in the middle, you were fine, and then all of a sudden something comes up and it triggers, oh, I didn't realize that hurt me. I didn't realize that that thought bothered me. I didn't realize that affected me because I was just too busy doing all the other stuff. And then when I sat down, the adrenaline stopped. Oh, that did hurt. And if we don't deal with it, we become offended. And the thing that scares me the most in church is offended people. The thing that scares me more than that is for me to be an offended person myself. Because when we're offended, it's impossible to be nice. It's impossible to always be fun to be with. What does the proverb says? It's, it's easier to take a, a city with walls than to try to make peace with an offended person. Because <laughs> the condition of my heart is offended. Everything will offend me. You look so pretty today. What do they really mean by that? <laughs> snorted (laughs) I never do that how did that happen (laughs) you look like you've lost weight did they think I was fat before (laughs) you look like a pastor today you're wearing a tie (laughs) what did I look like the other days Everything offends us. It just bothers us. Why? Because my heart's sick. My heart's offended. It doesn't matter what you say. How many have ever been in a conversation with someone and everything you said, they didn't hear it the way you said it? (laughs) Here's what we got to do in those situations. Stop the conversation. Connect in the heart level. And go from there. Because if I'm talking and they're offended, or if they're talking to me and my heart's offended, I'm just, I'm just waiting to say what i got to say to them. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Because my heart's sick. My heart's offended. I need to take the sword, the dagger, the discipline, the Word of God, and dig those things out. Amen? Amen. The last thing. So we need the washing of the Word to condition our hearts. We need the discipline of the Word. And then we need the pruning of the word. Pruning. We're not really farmers anymore or gardeners for the most part. I think every plant we've ever had turns brown and dies. (laughs) My wife's like, yeah, it's true. But pruning is so important. And we watch some of these shows like Mountain Men. Yeah. Pruning is twofold, all right? Let's close this out. God prunes us for two different reasons. He prunes us to cause areas of our life that are not fruitful to be fruitful. So he sees, man, this is not a fruitful... Like I said earlier, we're really good at these things, and so we stick to them, but those things we're not really good at, we just, oh, I'm just going to ignore them. But the Lord says, no, I want to prune those areas because you need to at least have some growth going there. You need some balance. You need some fruit over there. So the Lord will prune those areas that aren't fruitful. He'll prune them back. But here's the other thing. He also trims where we are fruitful. He prunes us where we're actually good. I'm doing really good over here, Lord. Leave me alone. He rewards fruitfulness with pruning. We've heard it said that way. He even takes fruit that's good and is willing to risk trimming it back just a little bit because he knows it will be even more fruitful. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We have both sides going on. And when the Lord is, is washing us with His Word, let's just stay there and let Him wash us with the Word. We're already clean from the Word You've spoken into us. And when the Lord's disciplining us with His Word, thank You for loving me, God. Why does your love hurt so much? <laughs> but thank you. It's, it's making me a whole person. He wants us to be complete and mature, not lacking any area of our life. And then when he's pruning us, let's just stay there. 
Let's let Him prune us. It's all in the attitude of our heart. You guys good? Mike, Mike Bickle said this, I think it was two nights ago. Anyone heard of Mike Bickle from IHOP, Kansas City? Um, he said this in his sermon. He teaches on John 15 a lot, 14, 15, 16. And he said that pruning is not, is not divine discipline. It's not the removal of sin. Pruning is not removal of sin. It's the removal of good things but that are now distractions to more of Him. I was like, wow. It's the removal of even good things, but they're, they're in the way of better things. Now, I've got a lot of things in my life that I would look at it, and if I was giving it a grade, I'd say, that's okay, that's good. But the Lord doesn't want just us to have good things in our life. He wants us to have abundantly good things. He wants us to have excessively good things. And if I'm not willing to let Him even deal with me in my areas of strength, then I won't grow in those areas. You guys still with me? And so it's the pruning of God. Amen? I was going to read John 15, but make it homework. Go on and read John 15, 1 through 11, the first part, about abiding. I am, the, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I remain in you, then you're going to produce the same fruit I produce, is what he's saying. And it's just this beautiful language of what our relationship with God is supposed to be like. But the key to all of it is my heart. I, I can't... What are the number one selling books in the world? Self-help books. And what do they all pretty much deal with? Behavior. Behavior modification. That's what it is. You're weak here, then you can do these things here to manipulate your behavior so it doesn't look like a weakness. Pretty much. <laughs> True. But what God wants to do is not just deal with the surface and what people see. You know, I've looked really good from the outside before and it was ugly inside. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And we needed a Savior. We can pretty up this all we want to and paint it all up. He says, like, you look like white, whitewashed fences, but inside you're full of dead bones. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to just work on out here where everyone looks at me and thinks, oh, they're okay. I want to take a temperature of my heart. I want, to, I want to see if my heart's right. I want to guard my heart. Be, be vigilant in how you guard your heart. The words that come in, don't let them find a place in your heart if they're not from God. If they don't serve His purposes, don't let them stay there. Take them captive and throw them out. Don't let them stay there and make your heart sick. If, if you're starting to notice that you're critical and things are coming out of your mouth that are critical, your mouth's not critical. Your heart's critical. <laughs> just, let's just deal with that stuff. Amen? Would you stand and we'll, we'll just pray into this and pray for other needs and whatnot? <sighs> I want him to look into the, the Bridge Church's heart and say, oh, they have a healthy heart. And their heart's enlarging in a good way. Amen? Why don't you just take a moment where you're at. If you want to come to the front, you can. But just ask the Lord to take inventory of your heart. Ask Him for a, a quick checkup for the heart. Right? And then we'll come and we'll pray over things here at the end. But I just feel like we need to pause and do that right now. So.
don't have a fearful heart. Don't have a fearful heart. God, we ask that you would drive out fear in our hearts. If you're here and you have fear in your heart, just tell the Lord, God, take the fear away and replace it with love. There's someone here, your heart is overwhelmed. Just ask the Lord to take your burden and give you peace. Yeah, there's always an exchange. Don't take the inferior when he offers something better. If there's a fence in your heart, deal with it. Don't, don't wait another day. If you're offended with someone else, there's a biblical way to handle offense. Go to that person and talk to them. Be, have a courageous conversation with that person. Have no expectation of what they do. Just manage your heart. Do the right thing. If you're offended with your spouse for something, don't let it go. It may have been something that happened in your marriage 25 years ago that still hurts your heart. Let it go. Give them the grace that you would want in your life. If it's something that needs to be dealt with, have a courageous conversation. Talk it out on a heart-to-heart level. You're disappointed. I've been disappointed a little lately. And I've had to manage that disappointment. And say, God, I don't want to carry disappointment. Because you've never failed me. I'm just being honest. That's, that's just for me. When I feel disappointment, when I feel despair, we, I cannot wait. I cannot leave it there. I have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, my hope is in you, not in any other outcome. My hope is in you. So if you're disappointed... Tell the Lord, I'm really upset. Maybe you feel the Lord failed you. Let's laugh at that. (laughs) You feel the Lord failed you. He doesn't fail us, but maybe it seemed like it. There are many prophets in the Bible that said, Lord, you tricked me. You lied to me. You failed me. And then they had a conversation with God, and they found out, whoa, no, you're really good. And he turned it around and showed his real nature to them. So if you're disappointed, tell the Lord. Talk to him. He's so kind. He's not scary to talk to. He's just not. He has the kindest eyes and the kindest words. Maybe you don't feel powerful. I want to ask that. If you're here and you don't feel powerful, that's a lie. What I mean by that is you feel like you're a victim or you feel like other people just throw you around. The Lord wants you to know today He has made you strong. You are not weak. You are not weak because in Him all the weak have been made strong. Amen? Would you just pray for someone close to you? If you came with them, pray with them. If you didn't, find someone and just pray with them. Just whatever you think of, just pray over their heart. Just bless them with a full heart, a heart of joy. Yeah, God, we just release that in the room. We ask that your heart would come and heal all of our hearts. We ask that you would send your word and heal us. (laughs) Like you said in Deuteronomy, you send your word and heal their disease. Send your word, God. Your word is healing. It washes us. It disciplines us. It prunes us. But it always heals us. It always makes us stronger, God. Send your word. Send your word, God. And we don't want just a relationship with the words you speak. We want an intimate connection with you. We want to know your heart, God. If out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks, God. We want to know your heart. We want to know why you say the things you say. We want to know your ways, God. We don't want to just know the acts that you perform, the miracles that you do. We don't want to just be familiar with what you perform. We want to be familiar with your ways, God. Yes. 
We release healing to the brokenhearted. You, you anointed us to do that. So right now we release healing to the brokenhearted. We pour oil of gladness for those in despair. <laughs> yes, God. We pour beauty in place of ashes. <laughs> yes, God. We release the good news of the kingdom in this place. <laughs> yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we ask that you would make the bridge church a place where offense is not allowed. Make us an unoffended zone. Yeah, so good, God. We, we don't want to live life offended. We want to believe the best in you and the best in others. <laughs> we don't want to hope for the best and expect something less. We want to hope for the best and we want you to exceed our expectations, God. Because that's what you do. you're here and your connection with God's broken or you're not sure about how well connected you are with Him, would you come to the Salvation Banner in just a moment? Someone's going to meet you there and just have a conversation and stand with you uh, and God and just have a talk. If you need healing, any kind of healing, we believe God heals today. It wasn't just for the apostles. Healing is His children's bread. Amen. So if you need healing in your body, would you come to the healing banner with its physical, emotional, financial healing, whatever it is, someone will meet you there and pray. And if you just need a miracle, come to the middle. We believe God does miracles, right? How many believe God does miracles today? Yes. Miracles happen, dreams come true, nothing's impossible. So come to the middle, someone's going to pray with you here. If you need a prophetic word or just want one, you don't need it, you just want it, that's okay too. Just come to Vanessa and the prophetic team right here at the front, and they'll go and they'll give you prophetic words. Everyone else, we just bless you. Again, guests, thanks for being here. It's great worshiping with you. And, and again, we hope you had an encounter with God. If there's anything you need from us or want from us, just see us. And be blessed, young adults, our house. <laughs> Thank you, Lord.